Welcome to Brands Made Meaningful, conversations with the team at Susner about how purposeful branding inspires unity, identity, and powerful change for growth-minded organizations. Hey, Tucker. I'm surprised that we haven't had this conversation yet. The, the title of our podcast is called Brands Made Meaningful. I think it's easy for us to get into other topics because we just assume people know. We use brands made is. we use brands made meaningful as the the tagline for our for our business. Yeah. But we haven't talked about brand. Yeah. And this came up in a meeting we had this week with a client and and the challenge they're having is not that they don't know brand, but that their audience, as in their internal teams, don't understand brand. And the challenge that they're coming back to us with is how do we explain brand to them and how they can use our brand for the better uh, to help us grow the business in the long term. The words in in the creative industry, um, design, marketing, advertising, branding, the word brand gets used all the time. And it gets used so often that I think that there's there's a lack of clarity there's, there's a lack of a commonly understood definition of what brand is. Much like some people think a mission is one thing and a vision is something else, there really is a definition. At least here, we have a definition of what we believe a brand is. So we thought it's probably long overdue um, in our yeah. 19th, 20th conversation <laughs> now yeah. to, to, to talk this out and uh, to talk about brand maybe branding to a certain extent, but to really bring some clarity around what this five-letter word is. All right. Is it five letters? Yeah, I just counted counted it out on my fingers. You saw me do that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's not a four-letter word. It's a five-letter word. Let's get into it. All right. So how I define brand and how a lot of people define brand in our industry is what people think of you in the most simple, simple form. Um, we call it your perception um, or other people call it the gut feeling people have when they think of you. And I think that's a, an easy way to think of it, but it's still so ethereal. So up in the air, it's like, okay, so people think of you in a certain way. I know when we started out, I thought right when I started in the industry, I thought brand is the equivalent of organization. Like your brand is your organization. And that's, an interesting way to start thinking about it. I think that's how a lot of our clients come into the conversation, but that's not necessarily true. So if you think about brand as someone's gut feeling about you, um, then you're thinking your brand is affected by almost everything. So everything can and most likely will affect your brand, right? And And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about experiences and experiences of the products you sell. Like, when someone uses your product, what, what, what kind of experience do they come back with? That affects your brand. That's, that affects the way people think about you. What about your services, like your customer service? Yep. That directly makes people think either positively, negatively, or otherwise of you. And I have a whole list of these, and we can go through them. But, but it, in some, it's a paradigm shift. Yeah. When you shift the brand, when you define brand as perception or someone's perception of you, your products, your services, the experience of working with you. Yeah. That means your customer owns your brand. It's what it's not what you say you are. It's not 
of course you need to, and we'll get into this, you need to know who you are. You need to know what you stand for. But when it comes to your brand, it's how other people define you. Exactly. And that's a really hard thing to think of. You don't, what I think it's Marty Neumeyer says, you don't own your brand, your customers own your brand. And I, that's a really interesting way to think about it. And he also said, and then if you're, brand is a strong brand it's because everyone else has a good perception of you yeah I'd, I'd agree but we also need to put it in the context context of you don't own your brand your customers own your brand maybe that's true but it's not just your customers your employees own your brand yeah your leadership your investors all these people own your brand if you think of your brand as the only people i'm trying to satisfy are our customers then you're going to be in a difficult position with other audiences that really need you to have a great brand too. What a brand is not is your logo. We mentioned this a little bit. I think it was episode 10. We had a conversation about aren't brands logos. And we focused in that conversation on dispelling that myth, the creative myth that the logo is and its symbol is your brand. And it's not. Um, your logo is your 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 logo is important, but check out episode ten for a, a you know a, a whole conversation yeah. about why that isn't a brand. As we now shift to what a brand is in this conversation, when we get into our work, whether it's developing taglines or logos or helping people design their website or brochures or any kind of touch point or experience, we think of the tools of our work as the logos, the taglines, all those pieces. Those are tools to us. When we give someone a brand book, we can also call it a brand toolkit. That's a common word that we use for people. That just means that there are assets in there or tools in there to help us craft that perception. So what you're talking about is the difference between brand and branding. Yeah. Branding is that active, intentional practice of crafting, creating, writing, designing, etc. Yeah. So if you look at brand as someone's perception or someone's gut feeling about you, then what we do as a branding firm is we influence what people think of you. I would also say that in the branding work that we do, our goal is to create and to deliver value for the brand. Yep. So if if we come into it and it depends on the project, right? Since we have a, a wide breadth of capabilities, we we can really come in at any level. But we've had clients where we come in at the very front to build out the the strategy of the brand. Um, how do we want to be perceived? How how can we best move our brand and our company forward? Um, all the way down to hey, we already have a perception we really like. We we know what we want to be seen as, and this is how we are seen. What can we do with this? brochure for a specific example what can we do here to make that connect so i think we see it a a lot of different sides but when you think of branding in general it's interesting to say branding is the act of altering your perception in the marketplace to better guide it where you want it to go or it's the difference between who you want to be thought of and who you are actually thought of and branding is the act of trying to move that needle forward Someone described that as a dialogue. Yeah. Not a monologue. Yeah. We're not preaching. We're interacting and engaging. Yep. And it's a really, validation's a really big part of this work, right? It's to put something out there 
hear what comes back and put something else out there. Um, it's that dialogue. It's it's definitely not a monologue. This is not we're going to tell them what we want to tell them and they're going to believe us and that's okay and we'll move forward. That's rarely the case. As we move forward, it's interesting to say how can we think more forwardly about that? And we can get into what that means, but yeah, a couple other there are a couple other um voices in the creative community, outstanding voices that have chimed in on what is a brand and what their what their definition of brand and branding is. A couple notable ones. And and so there's this is interesting. So bear with me here for a second. I'll try. Harry Beckwith is an author that wrote a great book called Selling the Invisible, which to a certain extent is what branding is. Um, it's ethereal and at the beginning it's intangible. It's hard to grasp what all this, it can be a little murky, what it is that we're talking about before it manifests itself into the creative tactic things that, that the real touch points where that comes to life. Harry Beckwith in that book said that a brand in the public's eye is a warranty and it's a promise and that building your brand builds that promise, which is interesting because then Seth Godin in his book, This Is Marketing, <laughs> yeah. said the same thing. He said a brand is our mental shorthand for the promise that you make. But Marty Neumeyer expanded on that in his book called The Brand Gap, and he brought in a different point of view and actually said, well, to a, a company's, to an organization's CEO, it can be true that a brand can be a promise. But in his mind or from his perspective, that's not a helpful definition and that a brand can't just be a promise on its own because it's then it's implied. Um, it's If it's not explicit, it's not a crystal clear definition. And most importantly, that promise is coming from the organization. It's coming from the brand. It's not coming from your, your tribe. It's not coming from your customer or your employees or your partners, which what, what Marty is saying is by only calling a brand a promise, you're not taking the dialogue and the, the concept of that your brand is defined by other people's perception of you, not only your own intentional. Yeah, it's not, it's not, a, not a monologue, like we said. Yep. Um, if you're still listening, it can become very confusing. Um, everything that you just said, I follow it great because I know exactly what you're talking about, but I, I can see how our customers or clients are like, how are we supposed to explain this to our to our audience internally? When we get into all these things, that's why it's not as easy as saying, hey, do this. Right. Every person in your organization, well, actually every person inside and outside your organization affects your brand. And they need to know how to use it. They need to know what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. And, and the better informed those people are, the better they're going to be at building this thing. Because your brand is really some, an asset for you. It's an intangible asset for you to grow the value of your business. Um, whether it's big or small, it doesn't matter. And so when we get into our work, it's really important that you that you understand we know what we're doing, but it's also really important that you understand how it affects you. It There's almost something that makes me worried when I see people doing work, not at our organization, but at other agencies where they just give them fantastic work and fantastic strategy and fa fantastic creative, but they don't give them the tools to say, this is how you use it. I mean, this is how it moves forward. 
So when we get through a branding project, our main goal is so that you understand how to use it and that you don't have to come to us every single time you have a question because it's so intuitive for you. It doesn't need to be this ethereal thing that you're just not understanding. Well, let's, so here's a, here's a, a more crystal clear definition of brand branding. Yeah. This is, this is kind of a typical industry model. Um, you and I found this, you found this online and we won't go into the, the super nitty gritty details of this, but maybe this makes this a little bit, brings a little bit of clarity on go this. When it. it comes to branding, typically there are four components, four phases at a high level. The first one is your own organization's strategy, what your company yeah. was built on in the first place, your culture, your operations, uh, your products, what, what it is that you do. You and I here at Susner with our team, that's usually, other than some cultural components, most of that work, that's you. That's, that's on the visionary um, and the integrator of a business that's, that built a business. Sometimes, yeah. Some, yep. Sometimes we get brought in at that level um, to say, think about this in a different way. We're working with a client right now. We won't say names, but they're asking us to come in at this foundational yep. level. Because um, they're, they're stuck and they're struggling yep. and they're having a hard time seeing it because they're so close to it. Exactly. Um, and they've gone through some dramatic changes changes in yeah. philosophy and direction in leadership. And yeah. so now they need some, oh, yeah. some, some help Big get, time. articulating that. The second piece is brand architecture, which is simply the structure that organizes your products and service lines. It's the way your, uh, the relationships between all the various brands or sub-brands within your organization. Yeah, and it's not just products and services. It could be initiatives or programs yep. or anything. I mean, we use products and services as a blanket statement, but yep. when we think of architecture, it's how do all these things roll out into audiences? It, at what point do we start bridging the gap between what we do and who we serve and how does that all come together so when we think of architecture it's easy to go okay here's a product and a product and a product and a product but those products might have different levels to them and how the audiences all fit so there's there's a lot more complexity in that than than i think people lead on yep i'm going to jump ahead to the fourth phase the fourth phase is brand activation this is where all the stuff gets created all the tangible tech tactical touch points. Um, you, you rattled off a bunch, advertising, promo, promotion, marketing. That's, that's where all the stuff gets created. But that third step is the brand creation phase, which is where most of our work lands. This yeah. is what we would refer to as foundational branding, verbal branding, visual branding. The yeah. designing of your story, your messaging, and your look. Yeah. But all of that has to be rooted in who you are. Yeah, it's, it's, about, it's about crafting the toolkit to help you activate this. It's, it's, it's building this toolkit to then bring that brand to the audiences that need to be brought to, right? So like you said, that could be logos, that could be style, that could be names. I mean, when you think about the architecture, just because you have a great business and a great business plan and a great organizational structure doesn't necessarily mean you have a name in place yet or you have any of that stuff in place yet where we come into, and this is not how you build a company, this is how you build a brand, right? Um, when we come into that, we definitely start with the architecture before we get into the name. And I think that throws a lot of people off. We always need to look at 
what does this need to be and who does it need to be for and what what can we do now and what do we have to do to be the right company then we get into okay what's the logo what's the name what's the color what's all the, what's all that other stuff and i think we get into we can get into that in another conversation we yeah, can really dive absolutely. into the nitty gritty about like specifically how does how does a brand manifest itself um, i think we could absolutely talk about that but at least what i wanted to do was provide some tangible benchmarks that yeah. say a, a, if a brand's not a logo and if a brand is perception well what does that mean well it means that you have products and services an organizational structure you have a way of organizing all of those things that you do to then help you tell the story and to be intentional about how that story is told is told so that you have a a hand as much as possible in crafting what it is that then your public perception yeah. is and how people think of you. Yeah. So, and almost every every brand project we have has the statement, let's back up for a second. Yeah. Inside of that, and I just do quotes around that, but there's so many times where we come in and they're like, hey, we need a name. And we go, all right, let's back up for a second. Where are we here? Or we need a new logo. And we'd be like, all right, hold on. Back up. Where are we at? Um, and I think that most of the people we work with don't, maybe they don't realize or maybe they're just eager, but they they like to get right into it before understanding the whole landscape. And I know that this is a rabbit hole. I told Derek before we started this that if there was going to be a logo for this episode of the podcast, it would be a rabbit hole. And then we started <laughs> talking about what a rabbit hole would look like. So then that got into a different rabbit hole. So let's cut that and move Whoa. back to brand. So when we think of brand and I'm going to I'm going to just spend some time here so that people who are still listening can say here are all the things that your brand can be affected by just so you know. I'm going to get into it. So as I was with you now you have to be with me on this, okay? Deal. Deal. All right. So when I say everything can and most likely will affect your brand and it's rooted in the experiences that people have when involved with you, right? Not your experiences every time, but experiences that are involved with you. The more touch points your brand has, the more complex this is gonna get. So first is products, what you sell, the experience of using that product, buying that product, all those different things, that goes into your product experiences. How does that affect your brand? Then we go into services, so that's customer services, that's post-purchase services that's professional services all the professional yeah absolutely then you get into the creative experiences so that's could be visuals verbals um the way that people open a brochure and they see it a certain way or the people they scroll through your website and they have a certain experience and what what does it say and what does it look like and what does it read like and what's the tone that's all an experience right then we get into your marketing experience when you interrupt their day with something whether that's an advertisement or a direct mail piece or anything like that how does that make them feel what's the experience that they get there then we get into the more complex things so that's all pretty basic then we get into your partners who are you partnered with because now you're almost co-branding with them what is their brand and their brand affects your brand because any of their perceptions rub off on your perception and vice versa, right? So you need to be more strategic in the way that you're thinking about who you're partnering with. Same goes for sponsors. If you're a big organization and you have sponsors, 
whoever your sponsor is or whoever gets to use your likeness or your brand is altering your brand's perception, right? We had this conversation a couple of days ago about a, a, one of our clients talking about sponsors and how we need to be more strategic on sponsorships because they're changing our perception without our say. That's dangerous. Um, and then we get into like initiatives. When you have initiatives internally or externally, people see those initiatives. What, are that, what does that make you think like? So all of those things, that's a long list of things you need to be aware of. That becomes overwhelming for all these people. So not one person can be in charge of everything. I think most brands we work with have a quote unquote brand police. Brand manager. Yeah, the department's not big enough to have a brand police or a brand manager as one person. There is a person that guides that and explains that, but almost every person in your organization is probably a part of that brand managerial staff. Um, and that changes the mindset a little bit to say, hey, you in accounting, you do affect the brand in a certain way, just so you know. So you need to be aware of the, the type of perception we're trying to keep up because then that'll make the books look better next year. And how do we move that forward? And how do we explain brand on a more accessible standpoint it can't just be for the creative department to sit up in their designer chairs and and think about it and, and craft it and then tell everybody what to do because that's not how it works anymore so it's interesting when you think of brand in the past to brand now brand used to be here are the rules stick to them brand now are constantly changing evolution of our perception we need to constantly be thinking about how that affects ourselves yeah i think everybody Everybody in the company is the brand. Yeah. Because everybody, even if they don't interact or interface with consumers or customers or partners or vendors, they could be on a manufacturing floor. If they're doing their job right and they're delivering and exceeding expectations, they are then reinforcing the brand. We work with, uh, we've worked with a handful of sports organizations professional sports organizations and the thing that comes to my mind that makes it like, oh, okay, it's that far out. Fans that you have affect the perception of your own brand. If you think about the fan interacting with a different fan base's fan, right? Right. They're affecting how people think of your team um, because that person has interacted a certain way. You have no control over that. Um, and think about that. You can't control everything. But it becomes a bigger world where you get a little bit more knowledgeable about what's possible and what's not. And so your job, whether you're the brand manager, whether you're the CMO, whether you're just the leader who's in charge of this, your job is to articulate what you want people to think of you as. And that's a hard job. It sounds easy, but it's difficult. And then you need to hold everything up against that. Yep. Yep. Creative messaging, um, the experience, the product. If, like you just said, if the product fails, if the product malfunctions, that affects the brand. We used to do a lot of work with uh, McDavid, a sporting goods company, and they had a handful of endorsed athletes, sponsor. so much like the sponsorship, they went to great lengths to make sure that these athletes who they were going to you know, pay to endorse their product they had to make sure that those athletes were in cultural alignment with what McDavid was working really hard to stand for. Yeah, and they were very, very, and they did a great job of it. They were very selective. Um, 
and the question that most people come back with is, okay, great. I know I have all these things. I know that my brand is X, Y, or Z. I know it's my perception. So how do I move that needle forward? And we would say that you need to define that perception. We call them brand attributes. We call them characteristics. Some people call it your brand essence. Some people call it other things, but it's the three to five words that summarize how you need to be thought of in your market, by your employees, by all those audiences that I said. If you can define those those words to say we are X, Y, and Z and hold every initiative product and everything up to that to say, is this product meeting that perception? Is this service meeting that perception? And if not, how do we get it there? That's what you do. And these are words that you want to be perceived at because you believe that if you are perceived this way by your customers, by your tribe, by your audience, by your employees, mm-hmm. that that is going to help you be more successful in what you do. Exactly. And if we remember the definition of branding being the who you want to be seen as to who you are seen as, and it's the it's the working in between that. How do we make people think the way we want them to think? And that's what we do. I mean, that's it's it's a very um, like you said, ethereal. It's very emotional the way that people deal with some of this stuff. So yep. it's it's a it's quite the complex problem. One way to think about these brand attributes or words that help describe your perception is to lay them alongside your core values. Many organizations have defined their core values and. Oftentimes, those core values are very are an internal guide. I think the brand perception is also internal, but it's also a stronger leaning external. And by external, that also means your employees. But it's that the that it leans harder. If the core values are more about your culture, your brand attributes and your brand perception are the more aspirational words that help describe your organization and your brand. We should do a, an episode about crafting a brand's perception. Sure. And I know that's branding in general, but right. it's like, how do you identify the three to five words? So make a note on that. And then um, the last thing I want to talk about is, so you have, your, you have this perception identified, defined, um, and you have what you're doing. What's that next step? How do you roll it out to people? And like I said, I think, I think it's building out this story of why you got there and how this is going to move the organization forward because people in their in their roles would rather have an understanding of what you're going for, why you're going for that and how it's going to affect them moving forward. If you can build out whether it's a presentation, whether that's a a book, whether it's even just a I don't know, a a memo. I have no idea how it works best for your organization. We've done it in a million different ways. But if, if you can build out something to say, hey, I know this isn't your job, but when you interact with people, we're trying to do X, Y, and Z. And that's gonna help us move the company forward. Brands that are really, really successful, that have become irreplaceable and uncopyable in the minds of consumers Examples that come to mind, top of mind, are Apple, Target, um, Starbucks. Yeah, they go to great lengths 
and and this is just from an outsider's or a customer's perspective. I don't have access to their brand style guides and brand books yeah. or the brand conversations. Yeah. But based on the work that we do and my interactions with companies like that, I I'm under the assumption that they go to great lengths to help every single person inside that organization understand not only what they want that brand to stand for, but what that person can do specifically within their role to reinforce that brand perception. Yeah. Even to small things like Chick-fil-A and the greetings or saying hi or looking somebody in the eye. Um, It sounds more complex than it is, but I think you could no, you literally could look at every single person in your organization and say, with the res- with respect to what that person does, what's one thing that they can do to reinforce our yep. brand? The the easiest way that people that I've heard it explained and has been I've helped explain this to people is that you are now a part of a family. When you do something in real life and it's positive or negative and it's associated with your family, let's think about like in high school or something like that. You would do something, it would affect your family's image. It would affect that thought of your family in this small town. That's an easy way for some people to go, okay, I get it. Now that I work here, I'm a part of this quote unquote family that if I do something with customers or even other employees, I'm either harming or embracing that brand that we're trying to create. And that becomes easier for some people to start thinking about it like that. And to... And what you don't do is also doing something. So not smiling, not engaging, not to just be sort of neutral. There's a famous Rush, one of my favorite bands, famous Rush quote uh, that says, choosing not to decide is still making a choice. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly the way that this is done well is through positive you know, motivating, <laughs> inspirational ways. Yeah. Um, I'm from a small town, so you kind of struck a nerve. Um, so I totally yeah. get what that yeah, what that vibe absolutely. is like. And instead of telling everybody what not to do so that you don't make our brand look bad, I think the focus is on here are a couple, two, three things that you can do that are relatively simple and accessible that are going to reinforce our brand and its strength and its value, its memorability. And what this is is being intentional. Yep. We talk about being meaningful, yep. purposeful, thoughtful, intentional. If you don't do this, if you don't decide to choose to define your brand and what it is that will reinforce that brand, like we defined up front, if if your brand is what other people think of you, mm-hmm. then they are going to define. They're already defining your brand, but you you have a a, a hand in how that definition plays out yeah a strong one i can see brand being overwhelming for someone who's just getting into it for someone who has now been tasked to be the head of brand i know a lot of large organizations you've you've worked up the ranks and you totally understand this and this is like yeah day one 101 stuff totally get it um for other people they've been doing this for a long time and they go oh man you're right this is a lot there are a lot of touch points and the only way you can move it forward is by doing one thing at a time helping people understand, helping people move it forward, and just ex- explaining what what the vision is for the company is a really great way to start. The takeaway that I would share with people, one is um, read Marty Neumeyer's book, The Brand Gap. Um, I think it's been around for 15 or so years, and I read it um, just recently. Yeah, it's a quick read. It's, it's, not, a, it's not overwhelming. It's pretty simple. 
it's good. brings a ton of clarity from a person from a from a man who's been in the industry for a long time as a designer, a brand strategist, author, publisher, educator. But he he talks about in the brand gap about like three things to focus on that will help you with your brand, and which will also help you differentiate your brand in, in this positive way. And he he lists three questions to be able to answer. Go One, who are you? Two, what do you do, or what is your business? So to be able to define those two things, and we can and there's a deeper conversation yeah. around. Well, how do you get to who are you, and what do you stand yeah. for? Yeah. <laughs> but the third one, the one that resonated with me, that a lot of people forget to ask, they don't go beyond that one and two. And the third question is: is why does it matter? Why do you care? Why should What's in it for me? Yeah. When I think of your brand, what's in it for me and why should I give a damn? Yeah, this is where a bunch of four-letter words would fit in. But yeah, I think that's the third one. that, that I, And you ask that question, when you think of brand, it's why do I care? If you have this perception, why should I care about that perception? And it's almost that's almost another great topic to have a whole 30-minute conversation on why people do things. So think about that. I'd, I'd love to leave you with that thought until next time. Why does it matter? Yeah, good question. <laughs> All right. See ya. Next time. Susner is a branding firm specializing in helping companies make a meaningful mark, guiding marketing leaders who are working to make their brand communicate better, stand out, and engage audiences to grow their business. For more on Susner, visit susner.com.